I'm Nathaniel. Um, I'm on staff here. I uh, work with the um, many students that we have here at King's Church Edinburgh. Um, yeah, shout out to the students. Thanks, Peter. Um, and uh, it's just a real privilege to be able to share something from the Bible with you guys tonight. We're, we're going through the series, uh, Conversations with the King. And so I think it's worth thinking, if Jesus came around to your house or you bumped into him in the street, what would you want to ask him? What do you want to say to him? Um, you know, maybe like, what was Peter like? You know, uh, how, how tasty was the bread that you multiplied, perhaps? Maybe you have much deeper questions, like, what did you do on the Saturday between death and resurrection? Um, one of the things that I think I would want to say to Jesus is what somebody says to him in the conversation that we're going to read about today. And, and the reason we're discussing these conversations with the king is because Jesus never wasted a word. Every conversation he had, he used uh, as an opportunity to just exude his character, his warmth, his grace, his kindness. Um, and so we can read these conversations and learn about his character and thus about the character of God. And we can learn from the people that talk to him about, we can relate to them and get some of our questions answered. And um, that's what I want us to do tonight. So uh, we're going to have up on the screen a passage from um, Mark 9. And um, I just really relate to this person here. Um, so it's in Mark 9. I think it starts at verse 14. Um, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy to the, uh, into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet. And he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. God has an invitation for you tonight to enter into greater levels of faith, to enter into an adventure of faith with him and to take new steps of faith that you might previously have not believed possible. He's inviting you tonight to come before him and to say, I believe, but please help my unbelief. You see, 
we don't exactly know what the disciples were doing wrong here. The, the text doesn't exactly say why they couldn't drive him out. We just know two things that Jesus highlights. He says he calls them a faithless generation. And he says uh, this kind can only be driven out by prayer. So we can guess that, that what happened didn't involve a whole lot of faith and a whole lot of prayer. They were trying to do something that didn't involve dependence on Jesus, on his name. Uh, it was a, uh, something that needed more faith and more prayer. And I think it's pretty fair to say that we live in a faithless generation. Um, and, and, and the thing is, we are called to live lives of faith in a faithless generation. And that there are good things, I think, that we get used to, really good things, that actually can lead to an attitude of faithlessness in us. Um, I am a huge fan of the NHS, for instance. That's not an official church, church stance. That's just my own. Um, big fan of it. Uh, but the problem with something like the NHS that provides health care is uh, that actually we can abdicate uh, responsibility to pray for those who are sick because we think we've got great doctors. Um, uh, having a good job can make us uh, can lead to an attitude of faithlessness in seeing God as a provider. Again, a great thing. I think we should all look for good jobs and try and get them if it's possible. But don't let a good job take away from faith in God as your ultimate provider. Other things, um, uh, a, a robust benefit system could lead us to being a bit faithless about caring for the poor. Um, having talented evangelists in your city or your church could lead you to think, I don't need to do the work of an evangelist. Um, just a secular worldview that doesn't talk about the spiritual things could lead us to not think that we need to be living deeply spiritual lives. So many things can seek to rob us of living lives of faithfulness and taking steps of faith. And what I mean by that is doing things with God that only God can do. Of taking steps into an adventure with God where you're dependent on him because nothing else is going to work. Jesus says this kind can only be driven out by prayer, and some things can only be achieved through prayer. God wants us to exercise our faith every day um, in our, and to engage in our relationship with God by doing things with God. We get to walk with God, and the best way to do that is to, to take steps of faith. Um, this is what the Christian walk looks like, meeting God in only places that he can be found. And God promises, Jesus promises in this passage, all things are possible to those who believe. Which is where this person responds, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. In the language of the internet, that is a big mood. And <laughs> apologies to everyone under 30 who didn't get, uh, over 30 who didn't get that reference. It's, it's such a relatable attitude. I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Do any of you feel this tension in your life? You've read the Bible. You've heard the sermons. You think, yeah, no, I know that, I know that God is a provider. I know that God heals. I know that all things are possible. But, but then when it comes to acting that out, unbelief ends up being the loudest voice in your head. Does God really provide? I believe 
the Bible says that God heals, but I just experienced such pain and disappointment. Imagine what it was like for this guy. His, his, his son was self-harming because of demonic oppression. It's going to be the kind of thing that just robs you of, of hope. Maybe you, you keep trying to sort things out by yourself because you actually think that that's more powerful than prayer. And I think what this story reveals is that belief and unbelief can exist at the same time within you. These are not mutually exclusive feelings. But what I want to know is when push comes to shove, is it belief or unbelief that's determining how you act? It's a tension we all live, live with. Um, but I don't think we should be content with unbelief in our life. I think we should pray the prayer of this man today. Help my unbelief. You know, actually, uh, faith is one of the supernatural gifts of the Spirit that you can ask for. You can call out to the Spirit and say, give me faith. Help my unbelief. And I just want to look at one warning. I just want to quickly look at one warning and th uh, two positive steps that we can take when uh, trying to negotiate a life of belief and, and, and the unbelief that exists within us. And the first thing I want to say is, reject cynicism and inaction. Now, hopefully I've made it clear that everyone here has a bit of unbelief at work in them. This is a, a common experience for Christians the world around. The choice is what you do with that unbelief. At best, the, 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 the negative action could be just inaction. You don't do anything. Why bother? Your unbelief just leads to stagnation because you don't you don't actually, the unbelief is too, too loud, too powerful. But if unchecked, unbelief can lead to cynicism, where you see other people acting with greater levels of faith than you have at that moment, and you scorn them. Say, what are they doing? That's never going to work. Wish they'd stop. It's a bit embarrassing. Run far away from this attitude. Jesus said that we should have a childlike faith. And I think that actually sort of means a kind of humble naivety sometimes of just like, you just, you never see a cynical child, I suppose, is what I want to say. Um, and, and actually, if you've been reading uh, in God's Word, doing the Reading God's Word program that we've been doing as a church, and you've been reading the story of Jesus in Luke, you'll see that he, our great role model, was never once cynical. He was sharp-witted. He called out hypocrisy. But he was never cynical. And so I just, I would urge you today, don't let unbelief fester into something much worse. Um, don't worry, there's, if, if that's you, and I'm sure that is some people in the room, myself included sometimes, then there's, there's grace and forgiveness when we come back to the throne of God. But it's just a, a, a warning, I would say. Um, we don't want to, be counted among that unbelieving generation that Jesus bemoans. And actually, you're just missing out. If you, if you choose not to do anything, you're missing out on, on seeing God at work in your life. You're, you're missing out on the adventure that he wants to take you on. The second thing, uh, and this is an encouragement to you all, is to cultivate a life of prayer. Jesus says this kind can only come out by prayer. And I think... Um, I think it's the kind of prayer that comes from a lifestyle of it, from, from a, a daily relationship with Jesus. 
with the one who, who still, even in the face of an unbelieving generation, chose to cast out this demon because he's just so compassionate. He's just so good. Why, why they couldn't drive out the demon, we don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus is saying, you've got to pray. You've got to pray more. You've got to pray more. He's saying that prayer is essential if you want to see miraculous moves of the Spirit in your life. And you actually have the opportunity. This isn't a duty. This is an opportunity to enter into a rich, deep prayer life and develop a relationship with this phenomenal man, Jesus Christ. Um, perhaps you've been in the prayer room this week and just really benefited from, from just setting time aside to, to pray. Or perhaps you came along to a half night of prayer. Perhaps prayer is something that's actually still quite new to you. Use what you know of prayer. Use this time that you spent praying this week to build a lifestyle of prayer. Learn the daily rhythms of prayer. Create a bedrock foundation of time with the creator of the universe. He, you will find him, every time you come to him, a compassionate, gracious person. This isn't, oh, sh- do Christians have to pray? This is, this is the greatest opportunity you have to spend time with Jesus. And, and the more time you spend with him, the more you're going to see him at work. The more often you go to the places where he is, the more you're going to see him doing incredible things. If you want to combat unbelief in your life, pray. I think that is the, the clearest thing we can take from this passage. Pray and pray some more. And it's, it's, it's great because um, the more time we spend with him, uh, the more that we become like him and the more we get to be used by him. Uh, and, and it's just this, this amazing adventure. And, and do you know what? Great moves of God throughout history come from a foundation of prayer. They didn't happen in isolation. It wasn't just a one day suddenly revival broke out. They came from a foundation of prayer. So if you want to see revival, if you want to see more healings, if you want to see provision in your life, can I urge you just to start praying more and maybe just grab a couple of friends who you know share that passion and say, hey, let's meet up to pray together. When two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, he is there. That's a promise from the Bible. So if you want to combat unbelief in your life, cultivate a life of prayer. And then my second encouragement to you today is to take small steps of faith. The best way to address unbelief in your life is to act on the belief that you do have. Is to take steps with that that nugget of belief that you have and to come forward and say, okay, God, here I am. I believe. This is what this this guy did. He, He clearly didn't exactly know whether Jesus was going to do anything. He said, if you can do something, He clearly had some unbelief going on in his heart. There was a tension there. But he knew he just had to get his son before Jesus. He knew he needed Jesus. And so he took that step of faith to come to Jesus. And he shut out the unbelief and said, Jesus, heal my son. Set him free. 
he, he may have been carrying unbelief, but he didn't let it stop him. And so take small steps. And, and one thing I would encourage you is to just, um, is, is to uh, speak uh, belief into your life. Now, what do I mean by this? Sometimes, not always, sometimes belief and unbelief can be a, a bit of a, a head and a heart thing. Uh, the tension can come from uh, you know something, you know something to be true, but your feeling isn't quite there. You don't quite feel the faith. I would urge you to actually choose belief. Um, this might go a bit against your character. Maybe you're a Myers-Briggs F type rather than a T, and you, you're more of a feeling person. You make your decisions from feeling rather than thinking. What I would um, encourage you to do in situations where you're not actually feeling a whole lot of faith, and that's just leading you to inaction, is to actually um, just take on as much truth as you can get. Read the scripture. Read uh, the Bible to learn about who Jesus is. And from that, you can learn about his promises, and you can see what it says ab about um, uh, the life of faith. And, and then that should be, you can be like, right, I just need to remind myself Okay, it says that, that Jesus is with me. It says that actually he sent his Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, we can do more powerful things than, than he did even. It says that the Spirit um, can, can lead us to see healing and can lead us to have words of knowledge and prophetic words. And the more you read the scripture, you can speak what you read from the scripture into your life. And, and actually, sometimes you just need to uh, like actively seek out belief, actively seek out truth, because what you feel might not actually be as true. And, and I would say get other people to speak truth into your life as well. Just be like, I have really been struggling in unbelief this week. And just let them speak truth about who God is, who Jesus is, what the Spirit can do through you into your life. Allow those other voices in. Don't don't just be uh, kind of stubborn in your feeling of unbelief, but, but um, respond in faith to the small bit of belief that you do have. And then as you build this belief up, take small steps. Um, use what you know through the Bible, through past experiences that you might have forgotten, through stories of other Christians and how they're seeing God at work in their life. Use those things to build up your belief and then take the first step into a greater level of faith. Um, for me, I, I remember when I was, I'd been out of university for a couple of years, um, and I was in a job that I was only in out of a place of fear, because I was fearful that I wouldn't have any money if I left it, and it was uh, sapping me of my physical health and of my uh, mental health, to be quite honest. I was just in a a very low place, but I was clinging on to it because I was like, I need this. And what it was, was actually unbelief that God wouldn't provide, that God wasn't a provider. And it actually took a friend coming in and just saying to me, you can trust God. You can trust him. You can trust him with, with uh, rent. You can trust him with your future. Um, I'd, I'd had so many uh, job rejections at that point that Unbelief was just rife. I was like, I, I can't. I need this. And, and 
And his friend said, no, you, you, you've got to trust that God provides. And so she spoke belief into my unbelief. I took a step and I left that job with nothing else to go to. And um, that week I got um, 236 pounds that I didn't know I was due coming into my account. And I think five days later, I got a job that I'd previously been rejected from. And then a couple of months later, I started freelance writing again from another job that I thought I'd been rejected from. I was stuck in unbelief. Someone spoke truth in and I just took, I just took the only step I knew how to take, didn't know where I was going to go with it. And God met me in that place of faith. Where do you need to meet God? What small steps can you take this week? If you're a follower of Jesus, can I encourage you to go away with that question? Don't just listen to this as um, a word of encouragement, but take a practical step this week. What small step of faith can you take? Maybe you need to just give some money away because you're clinging on to it because you're, you're fearful about what happens if you have less money. Um, Maybe you need to uh, pray for your sick friend and see what God will do there. Um, maybe you need to reorganize your schedule to one that gives you more time to be with God. What small step of faith can you take? And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, he's inviting you today to come before him and say, I have this small bit of belief and I want to know more about you. Just come to Jesus with whatever small bit of belief you've had. Maybe it's just the words that you've heard about him said today. Maybe the songs that we sang earlier resonated you with you. And just say, okay, Jesus, I believe this much. I unbelieve this much. Would you show yourself to me? And if that's you, I'd and you want to find out more, I'd love you to come and speak to me or Hannah or Dan who were up here before at the end of the service and just find out ways that you can find out more about this amazing person of Jesus. But now what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song about that just lists some of the names of Jesus, some of his attributes. And I want us to stir, I want that to stir us to, to faith in, in who this person is that we're putting our trust in. Because he's, he's worthy of your trust. He responds to your trust. He is he has never let me down in the five years since I took that small step to leave that job. There have been uh, tough times, but he has never, ever once let me down. He is worthy of your trust. So we're going to sing about who Jesus is, about how he makes ways for us, about how he um, creates a path for us, about how he's a light in the darkness. And as we sing about this great, great person who is alive and at work today, let it stir your faith. Let it stir your faith and see how you can enter into this amazing adventure that Jesus is inviting you on.